Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Rates and Lanes with Rico Mohammed. This is the show where we improve your knowledge of the freight market, improve your bottom line, and improve the transportation industry as a whole. We're talking rates and lanes. Let's move on down the audio road. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome on board. Thank you for joining us here on the Rates and Lanes podcast. I am your host, Rico Mohammed. And tonight we will be joined by our special guest co-host, Mr. Hank Seaton, transportation attorney extraordinaire. If you have any legal questions, if you have been going through some legal conundrums here lately, or if you just got any plain old questions about contracts, leases, lease purchases, detention, any of that stuff that deals with the um, we, we we will just say the fine print of the contracts or stuff that you may not understand or stuff that you might just want to get a better understanding, a better knowledge, working knowledge of. Tonight is a night designed specifically for you. Uh, you we have open phone phone lines. You can ask whatever questions that you want to ask of Mr. Seaton while we have him up and on board. So I encourage you to get in early and often. I have my... Uh, Youngest daughter standing by to screen your phone calls. Uh, so just press the number one if you got a question, if you know you want to get in, and we will get your call screened and we will get you up and on board. But before we do all of that, this is the Race and Lanes podcast, and it wouldn't be, uh, wouldn't be right if we didn't go into a little bit of the Race and Lanes. So we're going to start off like we normally do and give you some information from the DA. Uh, we have a couple of we have a little bit of movement in a few different markets this week. And right now there's only one market that is reporting an outright shortage of trucks. That market is the Upper Valley Twin Falls, Burley District, Idaho. They are reporting an outright shortage of trucks. We have sev- several different markets that are reporting slight shortages of trucks. And we'll read all those off to you here right now. Those areas are San Joaquin Valley, California. San Luis Valley, Colorado, Idaho, Murrow County, Oregon, Minnesota, North Dakota, Red River Valley, uh, Eastern North Carolina, Nebraska, New York, Mexico crossing through Texas, Columbia Basin, Washington, and those are all of the particular markets that are reporting slight shortages of trucks in those areas. I am in the process of taking the link to uh, save it and pasting it up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page for your viewing pleasure. You can go over there and click on that link if you would like to read this report in more in depth. It's there right now. We just put it up on the page. Um, Moving right along, jumping over to this week's USD, uh, excuse me, this week's DAT trend lines report. And for the week of October through 8th through the 14th, the national average van rate dipped two cents down to $2.07 per mile, which is well above seasonal norms. Reefer rates edged down a penny from a multi year high. But flatbed prices continue to climb. 
Rebuilding efforts have begun in areas affected by hurricanes Irma and Harvey, and strong freight volumes are being produced in the western region. The combination has put additional pressure on truckload capacity, so load-to-truck ratios remain elevated for, for all three trailer types. Let's dig into the numbers. Let's look at them a little bit deeper. Starting off with the van, national van, dry van demand and capacity report see here. And for the week of October 8th through the 14th, the load-to-truck ratio has declined the past two weeks after hitting the highest van load-to-truck ratio ever recorded in trend lines during the final week in September. Last week, load posts declined 11%, and truck posts increased by 7%, causing the load-to-truck ratio to take a dip down to 5.4 loads per truck nationally. Van rates slipped two cents, but the national average van rate remains above $2 per mile, which is tremendous uh, considering what part of the year that we're actually sitting in. The numbers van load posts were up 10% from August to September, while truck posts fell 14%. As a result, the September load-to-truck ratio increased 28%, to 6.6 van loads per truck, its highest monthly level in years. The ratio was up 120% compared to September 2016. Um, Right now, let's see, the average diesel fuel price is up by 0.4 percentage to a national average of $2.79 per gallon. Let's jump over and let's take a look and see how the uh, spot market was performing for dry vans. Uh, We got to get a little cooperation out uh, out of our system here. There we go. All right, van rates two cents last week, but remained above two dollars per mile. The national average van rate was two dollars and seven cents per mile, which is ten cents higher than the September monthly average, and forty-two cents higher than last October. The last time van rates were above two dollars per mile was during the winter storms of late 2014 and early 2015. Taking a look back historically. National average van rates for September increased 18 cents to $1.97 per mile. Compared to August, the rate was 35 cents higher than the average of September 2016. Taking a look around the country, starting in the northeastern portion of the United States, we have Philadelphia, Pennsylvania checking in as the representative city, showing an average spot market rate for dry van at $2.13 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of Atlanta, Georgia checks in showing an average spot market rate of $2.23 per mile. Moving up into Chicago, the Midwestern portion of the United States, average dry van rate is $2.69 per mile. Moving into the south central portion of the United States, Dallas, Texas checking in 
showing average spot market rates of $1.78 per mile. And wrapping up the spot market report for drive-ins coming out of the City of Angels, Los Angeles, California, average spot market rate show $2.41 per mile. So as you can see, drive-ins is very robust all across the country right now on the spot market. Moving right along, jumping over into flatbeds, uh, flatbed load-to-truck ratios, the demand for flatbeds after reaching the highest flatbed load-to-truck ratio in years just two weeks ago, the ratio is beginning to ease off. Load posts declined 7% and truck posts increased by 6%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to drop from 46.7 down to 40.9 loads per truck. Still a very high ratio, the national average flatbed rate moved two cents higher. Compared to August, this is a historical look back, flatbed load posts increased 14% in September, while truck posts decreased 22%. That caused the load-to-truck ratio to increase 46% to 41.8 loads per truck compared to September of 2016. The ratio has soared 227% since that time frame. Taking a look at the rates for flatbeds across the country on the spot market. If we can, uh, we got a little molasses in the system. It's not moving as quickly as it should. And it is still moving like molasses. Okay, give me one second, ladies and gentlemen. Look like we got a little bit of a technical glitch. Rebuilding efforts in Florida and Gulf in the Gulf Coast have put tremendous pressure on the flatbed markets. The price continues to climb. The national average rate for flatbed has increased two cents up to $2.33 per mile. That's the highest average flatbed rate in more than two years. Let's take a look back historically. Flatbed rates increased $0.08 per mile in September compared to August. The September national average of $2.26 per mile is the highest monthly average since December of 2014. Compared to September 2016, Last month's average rate rose a whopping 38 cents or 20% above where it was the same time last year. Taking a look around the country, um, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania checks in showing average spot market rate at $3.52 per mile. Moving down into the southeastern portion of the United States, Atlanta, Georgia checks in showing average spot market rates for flatbeds at $2.82 per mile. Moving up into the Midwest, coming out of Rock Island, Illinois, $3.03 per mile. Moving down into the south-central portion of the United States, Houston, Texas, checking in, showing an average spot market rate of $2.59 per mile. And moving on to the West Coast, we have Phoenix, Arizona, checking in, showing average spot market rates 
at $1.91 per mile. And that being said, moving right along over into the refrigerated portion of the DAT report, the hitting the highest average reefer load-to-truck ratio in years during the previous two weeks, the ratio backed off a bit, load post declined by 13%, and truck post increased by 7%, causing the load-to-truck ratio to fall 19% to 10.1 loads per truck. The national average reefer rate also dipped from the previous week's highs. So let's take a look back historically. In September, reefer load post increased 11% and truck post declined by 10%. Compared to August, that caused the load-to-truck ratio to rise 23% from 9.8 loads per truck, jumping to 12 loads per truck nationally, the highest monthly load-to-truck ratio in more than two years compared to September of 2016. The load-to-truck ratio is up by 104 to see how the rates were performing across the country. Hmm. And for the week of October 8th through the 14th, the national average rate for reefers remained historically high, even though it slipped one cent to $2.36 per mile. That's a 13 cents high, higher than September than the September's monthly average. Double-digit rate increase were seen in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and Elizabeth, New Jersey. The national load-to-truck ratio fell, but remains above 10 loads per truck, which is absolutely outstanding for reefer ratios on the spot market. The September spot market rate average for reefers increased 15 cents from August from August to September, reaching $2.23 per mile on average. That's the highest monthly average in more than two years. The average, the September average rate was $0.32 cents higher than the average for September of 2016, just to put that into a little bit of a perspective for you. Around the country, starting out in the northeastern portion of the United States, Elizabeth, New Jersey, checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $2.33 per mile. Moving down into the southeast, Lakeland, Florida, checking in, showing average spot market rates for reefers at $1.27 per mile. Jumping back up into the midwestern portion of the United States, leading the pack, Green Bay, Wisconsin, shows an average spot market rate of $3.79 per mile. Moving down into McAllen, Texas, McAllen, Texas, the south central portion of the United States for reefers at $1.92 per mile. And going out west, wrapping up this week's DAT report, Fresno, California, showing an average spot market rate for reefers at $2.16 per mile. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up that that portion, uh, this week's DAT portion of the show. Uh, without any further ado, let's jump over really quickly before we bring Hank on board, and let's take a look at this uh, ever-growing list of the bad broker report. Um, I'm just going to have to select a – I'm going to give you about 10 
of the brokers that have made the list because I was going to try to attempt to go back um, to the beginning of October since we missed last week and give you uh, everybody that has made the list since October. But unfortunately, uh, these are still some trying times for some of these brokers and, and, and uh, freight forwarders out here. So I just implore everybody, please make sure that you're doing your due diligence. Because if I were to go back and just give you the ones that have made the list since the beginning of October, it would take the rest of the entire show. So we're just going to go back and give you about 10 of them. Um, starting off, Maywood Freight Company, Inc., that MC number is 02. Two, two, four, three. FMCSA shows that trust fund is canceled on eight twenty seventeen. They have over sixty eight thousand dollars in non payment complaints that have been reported. USA Motor Lines Inc. That MC number is three two four one six zero. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled on seven one seventeen. They have over forty three thousand dollars in non payment complaints. M&S LLC Certified Logistics, that MC number is 899-797. Over $142,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Uh, we have received multiple reports that Certified Logistics is filing for bankruptcy. So uh, make sure that you are, uh, if, you, if you happen to have the unfortunate luck of being in bed with them, uh, tonight's a perfect night. If you if you got a question about how to handle that, we got Hank on board. They can they can probably give you some pretty good advice on how you need to proceed on that. Uh, Vistar Logistics LLC. That MC number is nine nine eight one one eight. FMCSA shows surety bond is canceled. Over twenty two thousand dollars in non payment complaints have been reported. Beltana Logistics LLC. That MC number is six five five. 581 FMCSA shows surety bond canceled. Over $12,000 in active non-payment complaints have been reported. CART Transportation Inc. MC number is 005777. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled on 8-19-17. Over $39,000 in non-payment complaints reported to truckstop.com. Um, Twist Logistics Inc. We have that MC number is 536-669. Over $45,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Trust fund is canceled on 9-2017. Extreme risk. Wagon Masters Produce. MC number is 919-963. Almost $6,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. Road Line Logistics LLC, number is 864-297. Over $24,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. FMCSA shows bond set to cancel on 11-03-2017. TFI Logistics Services, MC number is 497-222. FMCSA shows surety bond canceled. Over $15,000 in non-payment complaints have been reported. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is where I'm going to have to wrap it up because I don't want to bog us down or inundate us with uh, a lot of that. But if you got a question about any of that stuff, if you need help navigating how to handle yourself in that type of situation, we definitely have the man on board that can uh, 
guide you and, and, and uh, help you with that. And with that being said, without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring on our special guest, guest co-host for tonight, Mr. Hank Seaton. Hank, how are you? I'm doing fine, Rico. How about you? Uh, we're doing well. We're glad to have you up and on board. It uh, seems like a whole lot of activity has been taking place since the last time we spoke. Uh, Hank, won't you inform us and the listeners about some of the things that are going, some of the goings on up on Capitol Hill that we need to be made aware of, and any kind of any other pressing issues that uh, we need to be cognizant of. Cognizant of. Sure, uh, it, I think Capitol Hill is still dysfunctional. Uh, obviously, they're they're big ticket items like health care and and the budget in which people are trying to score points. But I think behind the scenes. Uh, of most concern to our audience is uh, <clears throat> what's coming down the road in the next six months in terms of regulatory reform and uh, the future of uh, uh, safety fitness determinations. And in that area, there's really uh, a bunch. Uh, I don't think you'll you'll hear this or, or uh, in the press very much because. Uh, 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 the press usually tracks uh, the uh, the position of, uh, of of large carriers and uh, people with lobbyists. Uh, it was really quite uh, 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 heart sinking to read the ATA uh, uh, transport topic article on what comments were submitted concerning this NSA corrective action study. For those of you who don't know that, uh, what it's all about. Uh, in uh, 2016, the uh, FMCSA required, uh, was required to take down publication of SMS methodology uh, because uh, Congress was convinced that it was uh, uh, probably unfair, particularly to small carriers. Uh, that's a position that uh, uh, we had taken for six years and two lawsuits and repeatedly provided information to the agency to show how rigged it was against small carriers. The agency had paid it no attention, uh, but Congress finally did. The basic problems with SMS methodology is that if you are a small carrier and you have one wreck that's not your fault, you're all of a sudden... Uh, four or five times the national average and profiled by the agency for an audit. And more importantly, if shippers and brokers think they're required to look at that, you lose uh, the viability of hauling freight. Now, the, the shippers and brokers that uh, use SMS methodology has been shrinking over the years, but that's not because the agency hasn't tried to uh, shift the burden. Uh, the real issue for uh, small carriers is they need a safety rating. If they're fit to operate, they should have a satisfactory safety rating, and they should be judged on equal footing with the mega carriers. But the agency's kind of abdicated its responsibility for measuring small carriers. It says they're, quote, unrated, and that scares the bejesus out of some shippers and brokers, particularly in the spot market. So what what has been proposed uh, uh, by a coalition primarily of small carriers, including uh, including Nastic and uh, uh, a bunch of other guys, 
is that we go to the agency and say, hey, this isn't working. Congress required you to uh, look at the effect on shippers and brokers and small carriers. It's something you haven't done. And it can't be fixed. It can't be fixed because you can't ever get enough data on a small carrier to accurately profile them. And there are just a whole bunch of reasons the system won't work. Well, we made that plea to the agency repeatedly and just simply been ignored. So uh, along comes uh, a National uh, Academies of Science report that uh, the agency was required to fund and Congress wanted to see. And that report, when you read the 132 pages that's in it, actually says that SMS doesn't accurately profile carriers. They haven't got enough data. Uh, They don't measure the right things. But maybe if they had enough data and went out and found other areas to measure, they could make it work. Well, our friends at the agency said that's the life raft we need. We're going to do a corrective action plan, and we're going to incorporate this new big data proposal in the uh, National Academies of Science, which is really a bad a bad idea on steroids because among the things that the, a, the NAS says they should do is in addition to roadside data, start looking at other things like driver pay, method of pay, driver turnover, uh, a whole litany of, of issues that are really proprietary information. And for Pete's sakes, nobody wants to supply it to the government. So it ends up being something that everybody looks at and says, well, gee, I can go solicit ABCs to drivers because I pay them more. So, I mean, it's just a, a, a bad idea all the way around. Well, uh, we filed uh, extensive uh, reply to their corrective action plan uh, and correlation study and pointed out that this NAS uh, proposal didn't correct the problems with SMS methodology, had no cost matrix, and shouldn't be adopted. I think that probably felt on deaf ears, too, primarily because uh, ATA and, and TIA and even OIDA are saying, well, we don't think it'll work, but we're reserving judgment. The agency's going ahead because they they don't know that they have a better plan. I'd love to table the better plan for discussion and see uh, uh, what the the listeners think about it. Uh, The agency says it can only measure about 5,000 carriers a year, and what it's doing is trying to select the worst of the worst which leaves everybody else unrated and uh, uh, subject to not getting freight. Unrated and subject to the insurance companies are charging them far more for insurance than they want. Insurance is another component of that. New carriers and small carriers pay three times as much as larger carriers for insurance, largely because uh, 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 of uh, concern that... Uh, uh, they'll get involved in a massive fatality lawsuit, which will result in policy limits being exhausted. But what uh, Rick Gobble, and some of you may know him, he's uh, 
uh, a safety consultant, was with the agency for years, and is a real advocate for small carriers, proposed, and it's a very simple idea, that is that the new carrier audit that any of you who are carriers went through, which the agency said is works and works well, it's a desktop audit, and it's basically a check the block do you have in place the safety maintenance procedures that uh, are required by statute, that that be uh, uh, reviewed and renewed every two years when you file for your uh, MCS 150 update. New carrier audit would be the predicate for giving every carrier satisfaction. And it would become the precedent for uh, uh, any more corrective action or going back to an objective audit uh, if it fails. That's a dandy idea because it answers the question, uh, how can the agency uh, in a self-funded fashion actually reach out and certify carriers as safe to operate and safe to use? That's something that uh, uh, hopefully is going to be a hot topic. The next time you may hear about it is one thing the Obama, I mean the, the current administration, Trump administration did, was require the Department of Transportation to look at regulatory reform. That is, to look at regulations that adversely affect small people. Uh, we've been working in conjunction with the Small Business Administration, which if you have a friend in Washington, that's who they are, to uh, to highlight the aspects of uh, FMCSA activity that adversely affects small carriers. And on Halloween, we'll be presenting another round of pleadings, this time to DOT, to ask them to uh, rein in the agency to recognize that under the national transportation policy, uh, DOT has an obligation to ensure that there's fair competition for everybody and that what's working, what's going on now is not working. So that's kind of an update of, of where we are with all of these uh, regulatory issues that are running under the radar. One thing I would ask people to take down, it's really a pretty simple website. It's mcrr.net. It's mcrr.net. We're putting our uh, monthly legislative updates on that. Uh, we also make it very simple for a supporter to uh, uh, endorse uh, these uh, pro-competition small business issues and get your letters sent to your congressman and uh, your senators without you even having to find their address. So I'd urge you to take a look at that. You're probably not... Uh, part of any particular trade association and otherwise feel as though you're not representative in Washington, that's one thing you can do. Again, that's mcrr.net. And with that, Rico, let's turn um, it into questions. Absolutely. I'm posting the link to that mcrr.net up on the Rates and Lanes Facebook page right now. So if anyone... Uh, is not able to write any of that stuff down. Just remember, you can go back to the um, go back to the Rates and Lanes Facebook page, and we will have the link up and on board for you right over there for that. 
Um, with that being said, I th- it does look like we got some people that's got their hand raised. If you guys have any questions, legal questions, contract law questions, go ahead and press number one right now. Without any further ado, let's go and grab Chad really quickly. Chad has a question for us. Chad, you're up and on board with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Well, I'm beyond help. Um, uh, sir, uh, Hank, uh, sir, is there a way that I can actually get in contact with you tomorrow aside from this show? Because uh, a good guy, good friend of mine from high school, he actually works in Senator Rand Paul's office. I think he's one of the phone answering guys. And yeah. if I could get in touch with you tomorrow about that proposal from that gentleman you said that would simplify the process, and if I could find a way to, to have you send it to me in an email form, I will forward it to him personally uh, and say, hey, have Senator Paul look over this because uh, this is going to be very bad for the transportation industry. So well, is there I, a way that I, I can get in your, touch your with contact? And listen, Chad, that is oftentimes the way that we have garnered support. We have uh, uh, a few uh, congressmen on the Hill who uh, who have been watchdogs for us, and they don't get the proper credit. But lots of times it's, it's who you know. Um, I have seen congressmen that are paid $150,000 a year by by large companies and trade associations, but if you walk in and sit down with them with a constituent whose ox is in the ditch, they're going to listen to you. So right. I would welcome the opportunity to do that. Uh, Rico, you probably have up my contact information on your on on your web, don't you? Uh, we can put it up there. We can. Well, what all, what all do you want to put thing, on there? My email's a little cumbersome because people leave the E out of it. It's H-E-Seton at AOL. But if you just remember to go to transportationlaw.net, that's transportationlaw, written together, .net, you'll be on my firm's website and you'll have my contact information. Okay, and my, uh, and my question for you, sir, is um, I'm looking at potentially purchasing a truck after the first of the year. With what you just explained, am I better off to wait till spring to find out what FMCSA is going to do? You know, if you're going to take the risk of getting into business, I don't see, I don't see uh, uh, that uh, uh, what FMCSA does. Are you are you already are you, uh, this would be you you'd be getting your own authority in in, in uh, December. And starting out as a fresh carrier? Uh, well, sir, I would probably lease on the company I'm at right now temporarily because they offer 80% of the load uh, to the owner-operator. But definitely by, by the end of the next year, I would definitely want my own authority and uh, kind of be out doing my own thing. Because I, I know we're some freight that from previous knowledge, and that freight is still there. It pays decent rates. Uh, and I want to I wanna get a truck and try to get my foot in the door with those uh, with those with that freight and those lanes, and then maybe you know in, in three to five years bump up to five to ten trucks. Yeah, well, I, I think your profile is, is is what a lot of entrepreneurs do. They start as uh, owner operators. Uh, I don't think that if your if your uh, safety record is going to be uh, uh, mask by working for a larger substantial carrier that you have any real reason to worry. 
Uh, I would I would caution you that whatever if you're going to be paid by the mile, uh, that whatever uh, may have been good last year uh, may be paltry next year because I do think if the company doesn't already have the ELDs figured in, strict adherence to the ELD may cut the number of miles you're able to get a week. Oh, they've already got Elon set up in their in their company trucks. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, then you know if you can ask if you can ask existing. uh, You know, we're not talking about the AOBRs. We're talking about the ELDs, which uh, are uh, going to be uh, decidedly more aggressive in terms of you being able to uh, pop the clutch on the truck. But in any event. I think people may see a, a bit of a lost expectancy when the agency gets on a real tear with the ELD. But uh, that that uh, that may mean you, you may have a hard time getting the miles and getting home that you did in previous time. But I, I really can't right. handicap that. Uh, Rico, we mentioned uh, in that regard before, and it's now uh, archived that I think uh, – uh, a friend of mine put on an excellent uh, a webinar on the ELD and what to uh, anticipate in terms of uh, uh, of enforcement activity concerning that. And you know, if I were looking at being an owner operator, particularly on long haul where multiple drops were involved, I might want to listen to that uh, ELD and figure uh, a webinar and figure that in. Uh, again, Do you think they're going? Uh, go ahead. Yeah. I didn't. I thought you were breaking up. Uh, my last thing, sir, and then uh, you can put me on mute. Do you, from what your contacts in, in Washington and and the Small Business Association, all those people that you keep in touch with, do they think that once the ELD gets in place, they're going to tighten up on the hours of service, meaning they're going to cut back like from 14-hour days to 10 or 11-hour days on on the total time, and then like eight or nine hours on the drive line? Has that come through? Because see, that's my concern. No, I'll tell you quite the opposite. Uh, I think that uh, you're you're straight jacketed now, uh, particularly by the ten consecutive hours off and uh, the inability to take a nap during rush hour and those kinds of things. I don't think they dare get any more regressive with the actual hours of service. I just think that. Uh, the little bit of flexibility you used to have to have somebody knock on your window during your 10-hour break and tell you to pull into the dock, those kinds of things, I think, will put you in violation. Uh, And, uh, you know, I think we all know that most guys on the road cheated a little bit to be sure they they could get home or make that appointment and they had a little flex in there. And, you know, it's hard to defend that when the ELD is going to hold you rigidly accountable. But that highlights, again, I think, that the rules basically don't measure your fatigue. They measure productivity. They're old 1970s tachograph that now has become electronic. Uh, One of the things I was talking to a supporter today about is, as part of this whole uh, uh, regulatory reform, while they're 
uh, got a test pilot study out to see if they can go back to some form of sleeper birth to give us a little relaxation, maybe what we ought to tell them is, hey, look, why don't you do a test study on people who want to voluntarily use a uh, fatigue recognition system and things like AccuWatches and all kinds of things that actually uh, let you know if you're fatigued. And, you know, if someone wanted to test that out, they might very well uh, be allowed a little more liberty to get miles and get home. The, the science that went into the hours of service, which has now been around, I guess, for 15 years, has all been proven to be bunkum. The idea that you have to have 10 consecutive hours off to get restorative sleep, the circadian rhythm notions that, uh, you know, it used to be overnight transport. Why? Because you you got on the highway at night when the truckers, when the, when the cars weren't there, and you could actually make uh, 600 miles in an 11-hour time frame. All of the things that went into creating that current hours of service has really been debunked. And it's been debunked in large part by the same scientists that wrote the study. Uh, there's a guy named uh, Colonel Belinke, and he's a sleep scientist. And about five years ago, he wrote some massive reports having to do with air traffic controllers. And he concluded that uh, air traffic controllers should be allowed to take a power nap because they came back more rested and more able to do it than to work a straight 10-hour shift. So, you know, uh, if you could ever get them to uh, to reconsider it, maybe on the idea of, hey, look, we've now got the technology to measure fatigue, and that's the, that's the real lick log, not whether or not you've made somebody stop in the desert uh, 25 miles from a rest area, uh, you know, uh, could have uh, uh, some appeal, particularly if you thought that the bureaucrats were uh, responsive to change. No, but to answer your question, I don't think that uh, uh, we're going to have more regressive hours of service. I just think that they will be enforced uh, electronically and it will be more easier to, to violate you and put you out of service for being over and more easy to find you. All right. Uh, that 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 get everything in there, Chad. Oh yeah, I, I heard a click and I thought you guys had muted me. Uh, no, that's it. That's everything. No, and, no, uh, sir. I didn't mean to cut in on you just a minute ago, but I heard a break and I, uh, I thought no, that was fine. it. But no, cool. no, but I, I greatly appreciate your insight, sir. Uh, can hey, I listen, just do your email through your website tomorrow? You. Sure. Okay, and I'll remind you who I was. That'll be great. Thank you all. Thank you. All right. Appreciate it there, Chad. If you have any questions for Hank, like I said, we can tackle just about anything when it comes to um, contracts, leases, uh, anything of that nature, um, um, broker contracts, Shipper contracts, if you got any questions of, of any other sort on transportation issues, you can go ahead and press number one. We're here. we got open phone lines. we we got uh, a little bit of time left in the show for you guys to get in and get your questions asked. So now's the greatest time, greater time than any to go ahead and jump on board. Um, 
with that being said, Hank, going back and looking at uh, um, basically the December drop dead date for the ELD, they're that's basically going that. that there, there is no stopping that at this point in time. Do you think, or you, do you think there's still well, might there be is, there, a chance for a last is, minute? No, there, there is. The agency uh, has put in this uh, kind of soft landing, uh, you know, about the the level of enforcement. Uh, so, you know, I don't think I don't think they're going to be hopping out and violating people uh, in early December. But you've got to realize that the ATA uh, counts this as a uh, as a great victory, and uh, uh, you know it's their scalp that they've already hung and uh, you know hung on the rafters. So uh, there's not going to be any any late minute change in that enforcement date that uh, you know that I see now. You know I was talking with the the folks at NASTIC who were certainly supporting it, uh, uh, you know, pushing it back. And I think, I think they basically have said, well, we, we've, we've done all we can on it. You know, I, I think uh, uh, if you're on the line and you haven't made uh, uh, your choice, uh, I think you need to figure out what's going to get you through. I gather that, uh, they're priced at all different levels. Uh, Lord knows if you're a uh, one or two truck operator, uh, you don't have to go broke uh, uh, buying a, compl- uh, a compliant one. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I think by now the die is pretty well cast and anybody who's been looking around uh, hoping for a miracle would probably get on get on with the program. Okay, um, we have a caller that's got a question. Let's go and grab Rodney really quickly. Rodney, you're up and on board with Rico and Hank. How can we help? Thank you, Rico. Thank you, Hank. Uh, the, I just wanted to see if you guys could elaborate for a minute. I know I think it was uh, one of those double companies had applied for an exemption with the ELD, and they had got approved, I believe. I don't know if either one of you had heard of it, for a yard move, and if you could elaborate on how that works, and if the rest of us are going to be able to utilize that exemption, or was that exemption only approved for them? Well, who was the who was the company again? I don't know that I saw that. I don't remember the company name. I saw it on one of the Facebook pages that well, they had gotten approved for it. You said it, it was, was one of the double companies. I don't know if it was FedEx or UPS. They got approved where, how you mentioned earlier, if we're at a shipper or receiver, we're parked at the dock, and that ELD is going to have a thing plugged into our computer, that if we move the truck, that we were supposed to be able to go down to like a yard move, and we could legally move the truck, even though, like, let's say we're in the middle of a 10-hour sleeper berth. Well, I heard the Congress had approved that yard move. I have not seen that. That is necessary. Uh, uh, you know, if they did, I would applaud it. I just haven't seen it yet. It's obviously okay. an issue that's concerning. In fact, <clears throat> I think that in anticipation of uh, uh, the uh, the problems of the timing of delivery of freight because of strict enforcement and the ELDs, 
a lot of the large carriers are going to power only and using multiple trailers in drop and hook fashion. If if that if that happens, obviously it'll put uh, smaller carriers uh, at disadvantage because we have to uh, live load and live unload. But uh, right, you know, you're, you're I think that uh, uh, you can see that the large guys are simply because of uh, the increased tension from shippers to micromanaged delivery times in a pretty unreal world, and the inability of, uh, of drivers to make those delivery times without wasting hours, you've got a real problem. I mean, let's say that our friends at Costco say you've got a 6 a.m. delivery time, and if you don't make your 6 a.m. delivery time, you can come back in two weeks. Well, that means that, uh, you know, you can't put a stopwatch on being there at 6, at 6 a.m., you're probably going to have to juggle your hours to get there at 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 four, and then try to figure out how it works with your break. And you know, by the time you put all that in a computer, uh, God knows when you're going to be able to get your rest, your ten hour off, and pick up another load. It's just really complex for a small guy. Well, you know, the bigger people I think are saying, "Hey, look, come to work for me. Do power only. All all you'll have to do." Uh, is, you know, hit a window, drop and pick. So if you're there two hours early and you've got uh, time left on your thing, you can you can drop it in the marshalling yard, pick up another one and use the time. Well, you know, if you don't, you don't really, if you lose a couple of hours of productivity, hell, you paid for the trailer for the week. And so yeah. uh, I, I think, I think that you will see as, Shippers uh, continually demand time delivery, and uh, 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 the agency screws down on flexibility. Those people who can do drop and hook uh, will prosper because a shipper is uh, probably more willing to pay $350 for an extra trailer spotted on his lot than he is to have to pay, uh, uh, you know, uh, additional uh, detention time at seventy-five bucks an hour, and then argue over what, when you got there. What, one other issue sense? I wanted to bring up, yeah, it does. One other issue I wanted to bring up because I can't figure out what exactly the law is pertaining to personal conveyance or personal drive time. Say, for example, we deliver and we want to go to Walmart, pick up some groceries or whatever. Um, there's something in the law that says we're able to do that. Uh, at other companies I've worked with with electronic logs, they've called it personal conveyance or personal drive time. That does count against your 14, but it doesn't count against your 11-hour drive time. I was pulled over in Oregon, and I was trying to explain that to a state trooper, and his <laughs> word was whenever the truck is in, yeah, we, he was actually really nice. We sat and had a long conversation about this, and I tried to explain to him, like, um, there are things, times that I use the truck as my personal vehicle while I'm out on the road, whether it's to go to, like I said, Walmart, or maybe I want to catch a movie where there's truck parking or something that has nothing to do with work, but I use it as a means of transportation while I'm out on the road. So I told him I can use that as personal drive time, and he said, no, that's illegal. You have to log that on your 11 hours. I was like, I don't think so. 
I, I don't think well, that's accurate. You know, the issue big that companies that I've worked for have had it prior to me getting my authority, and I've used it. And he was the only one that uh, he didn't write me a ticket or nothing, but uh, he said that we can't use that; that that was illegal. I have heard people you, say from, from that what I, I have heard from people what I understand say about that, the law too. What I understand about it is that you must be uh, the vehicle must be unladen, or you must be bobtailing. Like you can't right, be pulling a right. trailer and get away with that exception. Uh, it's it's there's a, there's a little gray area where there's concern, and just to kind of uh, throw another little piece in there, and, and I'll let you finish up there, Hank. Um, they have with some of the electronic log operations. They have a uh, separate sign-in and login for um, yard personnel and for um, mechanic personnel that that is not uh, that doesn't fall under the um, regulatory hours of FMCSA. So if you, you so you may have a mechanic that may be test driving a truck or whatever while it's uh, being repaired or maintained or whatever like that. So they have. Those that personnel is supposed to have separate, entirely separate logins, so that it does not, um, so that it does not uh, interfere or conflict with whoever the assigned driver of that vehicle's uh, hours of service is, and that's the way that it's supposed to work to get around uh, really? causing any kind of problems like that on the yard. And uh, yeah. that's all I got about on those. Hank, you want to pick yeah, back up the, on that thing, other piece? The thing, the thing that I, the thing that I know about it is <clears throat> that it is a really mushy issue. I have heard of large carriers uh, uh, telling some guy, "Look, uh, you know, I I know you're in Des Moines. I haven't got anything for you." And he says, "Well, I'm on a boogie home to Chicago." And God knows how many miles it is away. Uh, I heard one time that somebody said, well, you know, a, a reasonable 60 miles or something like that in personal conveyance right. make. But that, uh, you know. It's not rich, though, is it? No, it's not. Like how much? But, you know, <laughs> when, they, when, they get, when they get to you is, let's say that, uh I was uh, uh, unloaded in uh, in Des Moines and had a uh, uh, a load uh, uh, 20 hours later in Chicago. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, I was going there under dispatch. You know, if I right. if I took oh, off, I repositioned. If I took you off re- and you, went you to repositioned the equipment because I wanted to see my wife, that'd be a different thing. But you know, buddy, if I if I'm in line moving under dispatch, uh, uh, I I think uh, that's uh, maybe pushing it a little bit far. I've understood that there are people that says that really needs to be clarified, because there, there can, yeah, there it, can be it really does. But uh, you know, uh, particularly let's say in the gray industry uh, where uh, you you've got to uh, uh, pull a chassis and empty out of the out of the yard, uh, and you're now uh, 40 miles from home, and you want to pull the chassis home because you, you're taking it up country tomorrow. I think, you know, uh, you've got a legitimate argument. I think part of the problem is uh, 
when you got a paper log, you may be able to jowl somebody into it. But what the agency wants to have happen in there, and they're already schooling their uh, little inspectors on it, they want to be able to plug something into your computer and see the violations pop up. They don't want any gray. And I think the, the concerns that some people are sharing is that, you know, when you get it, when you get a computer, it doesn't know any exceptions. So uh, that's why people are concerned that if the, uh, if the clutch is popped, it's going to flag you. And at that point, at that point, you may be able to contest it, but if you put out a service for 10 hours, uh, you know, what good does it do to day acute? I think, uh, and this may be hysteria, but a lot of folks uh, who don't trust the agency are saying, look, this electronic logging is going to be a a, a real nightmare because, uh, well, it's been said that that the agency has one of these, uh, I don't know whether it's a a Monday morning teleconference, but uh, among the things it says is, look, we're pretty close to our quota. We need a few more fines and a few more out of services. So that, you know, it's kind of like a meter made mentality. And they're saying, hot damn, this thing is going to help us, uh, you know, uh, uh, from their point of view, uh, more more readily quick uh, catch the bad actors. From, uh, you know, from our point of view, uh, it's going to be uh, uh, take what, little residual of, of, of uh, flexibility there is out and and make it uh, more more difficult to get driver comfort and uh, to get drivers home and to uh, uh, recognize the efficiencies that the freight needs to be delivered during uh, uh, you know a narrow window well once again ladies and gentlemen the hour has just flown by it's just not enough time in a day. I want to definitely thank you guys for taking time out of your schedule for joining us for tonight's podcast. want to definitely thank uh, Hank Seaton for taking time out of his busy schedule to come on board and share and impart some wisdom to all of us tonight. If you want to get in contact with Hank, uh, of course, you can always reach him out. You can find his information at transportationlaw.net, or you can also uh, check Hank and Avery out over on their other website, transcomply.com that is also where you can order Hank's book Rules of the Road if you use RICO 2016 you will get and receive a uh, discount on checkout when you ordering that book I definitely definitely highly recommend uh, that you take advantage of that and get that book and add it to your repertoire so that you will have a point of reference whenever things pop up there's a point of reference there that can help you uh, navigate some of these things. Uh, if you don't have, you, you, everybody doesn't have the ability to have Hank Seaton on call. But if you got that book, that gives you a little bit of a leeway, a, a little bit of a way to uh, kind of guide yourself and, and keep yourself out of a little bit of hot water. Uh, if you got yeah. questions, right on the spur of the moment. That, Rico, let me mention one other thing to your listeners. Uh, we're offering a service. We're just now getting it off the ground. It may have an interest to uh, uh, to folks that are just getting started. Uh, you know, everything is going electronic, guys. Uh, and 
if you're in the spot market, you have folks who who basically want to say, well, who in the hell are you and why should I trust you? Uh, We're offering a service to uh, put together and manage a website for small carriers. Uh, You know, the protocol would basically be about a five or six page uh, website, but it would include service terms and conditions. Uh, You know, have a position for about us describing who you are, what traffic lanes you've got, uh, and, you know, set out what are your standard uh, 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 detention and accessorial charges. We think it would probably be of value because one thing that a lot of people are worried about is uh, is theft and hijacking, being sure that that the guy at the end of the phone is who he says he is. And if you... Uh, you know, if you don't have a if you don't have a website, you might look at it as a sales tool. And you know, it's it's outrageous sometimes what you hear people are charging just to do a simple website. With uh, with this service offering, you know, comes uh, 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 working with you to uh, put things on the website that protect you and offer a little sales um So you know, when you uh, uh, do things with folks, you can even you know, put your certificate of insurance. It makes it easier for them to get in touch with you and maybe try to run you down, uh, you know, on the phone or whatever. So think about it. If anybody's interested in it, I'd be happy to talk to them offline. But uh, it, it's it's one thing that uh, we suspect that a lot of small carriers need and don't have. And they can get more information on that, your own TransComply for that as well? Yeah, yeah, they sure can. All right, and we're going to put up the link to TransComply over on the uh, Rates and Lanes Facebook page. Uh, want to, uh, like I said, once again, Hank, thank you for thank you for taking time out of your schedule to come on and, and share sure. that information with us. Um, want to thank back back in, at the home at the house. Want to thank uh, little Miss Manaya for screening the phone calls for us tonight. Want to send shout out to the entire Less Truck team. Thank you guys for everything that you do. Kevin and Lisa Rutherford for provide, helping us provide the platform for us to be able to bring you this podcast on a weekly basis. We try, we want to try to get better at it. Uh, Sometimes life happens, and, and we a little, we get a little, uh, we get a little uh, backed up from time to time. But uh, we want, we definitely try to make sure on the uh, special occasion night that we try to make sure that we carve out some time so that we can bring. Uh, our special guest co-hosts like Hank and Chuck Snow to you guys. And with that being said, we want to thank everyone that took time out of their schedule to call in, listen, told somebody else about the podcast, shared the podcast. Thank you guys for your support. Um, We couldn't do it with to see you guys again, same time, same place next week. God bless you. Good night. Be safe out there, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Keep it in between the mustard and the mayonnaise. Good night. God bless. (laughs) Good night.